be still. Am I on? Be still and know that I am God is the last, uh, was the last screen. And before we get into today's message, I want to I want to reiterate a fact that just about that last video. That video, the last screen shows for about 15 seconds. And I myself found that I couldn't be still. Sometimes all God wants to do is He wants to communicate with us if we would just chill out, stop what we're doing, and listen to Him. For most of you that know, um, just on a little bit of a comical value, we celebrated the first Christmas of the year in my family this past week, the opening day of bow season. <laughs> now I say that not to, not to promote hunting or anything, because we, we do eat a lot of deer meat, but that's something that's important to me. Last night I came home, and Mary and Emma and Lydia were there, and they said, hey, did you shoot a deer? And I said, no. They said, and my two little girls go, oh. And I said, yeah, I would have loved to bring a deer home so we could eat it. But I said, Emma, do you know what I got to do? She's like, what's that? I said, I got to watch it rain. Then I got to watch it quit raining. Then I got to watch the sun come out. And there was this little gray squirrel that for this one moment in time did not irritate me. <laughs> Just this one evening. <laughs> Maybe the only evening. If you deer hunter, you like to be in the woods and, and, uh, and you like squirrels. I don't know. They, they just have their way of pushing my buttons. I want it to be deer, and it's usually gray squirrel. <laughs> okay. Going on, my name is Matt Griswold. I am normally the worship leader here at Connection. If you are with us, welcome. You are our family. You're not a visitor. You're not a guest. You're a family today. If this is your first time with Connection, I encourage you to soak it in. Okay? This is a place where you can feel loved, where you feel safe. Our lead pastor, Mike Davis, is still resting. Yes, I've talked to him. Yes, he's good. He says hi. That's it. Okay. <laughs> now, he's taking some time off to chill, to be still. Okay, if, you got, if, if you carry a busy lifestyle like we're going to talk about in today's world, like I see in our high school students when I'm in, when I'm in the classroom every day, the books that they take home, the hours of homework that they have, the competitive cheer, the regular cheer, the workouts that they do, their schedule is just piled and piled and piled and piled. And I'm wondering, is there a time that we can be still and calm down and listen? I want you to turn your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians in the new chapter, the new chapter, the New Testament. Uh, in my Bible, we're going to be on page 951. Okay, if you have a New Testament from the hallway, uh, it's on page 162. If you aren't sure where it is, where Galatians is, um, there is a little tip. After you, if you find Romans and First and Second Corinthians, the next four books have they start with a G, an E, a P, and a C. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or to go eat popcorn. Thus, we have popcorn. So I thought that was fitting. Anyway, if you can't find where Galatians is in the front of your Bible, there will be a table of contents, just like any other book. I keep a paperclip on mine. To prove it, okay? Because there's sometimes that I'm like, hmm, well, I need to look up the page number. I need to find out where it is. In the book of Galatians, okay, Galatia, there was a church in a town called Galatia that Paul helped to start, okay? Paul, I don't have time to go into it. Paul is the, wrote a vast, a vast amount of the New Testament, uh, probably known as the world's greatest missionary to ever walk the earth, okay? 
Paul carried around things that you and I don't have to carry around in the physical sense. Paul would share the gospel with people, the gospel being who Jesus is, why Jesus is here, the relationship that he wants to have with us. He would share that with people. And Paul physically, on his back, wore scars for Christ. Paul considered him, himself a slave, a slave having no rights other than what he did was to do and to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I mentioned in a prayer a while ago in 1 Corinthians 10.31, this is not on anything, I want you to get this. I said, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, Matt, I don't, I don't play sports anymore, or I don't do this, and I don't do this, but what, what can I do for God? You can eat for God. You can pray in a restaurant. You can, you can be like Jesus at your job. Anything that you do, the breath that we take, is not to be wasted. So in this book, Paul is writing a letter back to the church in Galatia. Now, Paul is on his missionary journeys in the Middle East. He's away from this town. He gets word, okay? No, it's not email. No, it's not text messaging. No, it's not Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Vines, or YouTube. Some of you are looking at me like I am a space alien. Okay, if you don't know what any of those are, see me after church or Google them when you get home. Go ahead and read one. There's a, these computer things. You log on to the internet, and Google is a website on the internet. Okay, then you can look up the other things that would go into it. This is the kind of lingu- lingo and language our kids talk at school. And most of the young adults here talk. Okay, but Paul doesn't have that, so he gets word that this stuff is going on. Okay, there's something going on, and he's going to handle it. Okay, Paul handles it. He wants to remind them of one thing. I want you to do, this is Paul speaking, I want you to do what you do for God for no other reason than to glorify him. That's it. That's it. It's not for your glory. You're, contrary to popular belief, the money that you have is not really yours. <laughs> After you die, it's going to get recycled and somebody else is going to get it. You're going to leave it to your kids and then it's going to go away. You're going to buy something and it's going to go away. Use our possessions. Paul's going to get into this, but use our possessions, our talents, our abilities to glorify Christ. On that note, me being the worship leader, if you sing and or play an instrument, come see me. We're always looking for people to fill in. Okay? You saw the reversal today. Um, Lee just hops around wherever Lee wants to hop around to. Okay? Lee plays everything. And I appreciate Jack leading this morning. But if you... To reiterate this fact, yes, those guys can jump around. Yes, the girls can, can do other things, and the sound people do a phenomenal job. But somebody please tell me the last time on Facebook you read of one of these people's statuses to say, did you see how good I did on, on the stage today? We're going to talk about an athlete later that has a mentality of thinking, stereotypically of thinking like that, and one that doesn't. But... They don't use their talents to boast or brag. They use their talents to glorify God. You can, you, can, you can glorify God by sliding a switch and messing with a knob? Yes. You can sing, you can play. Some of you lead worship and you don't even know you'll lead it. How's that? I just got involved with worship and I raised my hand. Yeah, because if you raise your hand, it gives these people up here confidence. Man, God is speaking to these people. He's having a good time in church today, isn't he? We're going to go with verse 11. So if you have your Bibles... 
Galatians 6, verse 11. No, this is not a misprint. No, this is not a font change. This is what it looks like. He says this, Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. The Bible, as discussed by connection, often is valid. We see right here that Paul is writing in his own handwriting. He did not do this with any other exception except on purpose. I want you to know this is coming from me. Back then, Paul would have had somebody else write this letter. Then he took over. He said, nope, I'm not going to read this to you. This is my handwriting. Arguably, theological people have studied Paul. They think that because of all the letters that he wrote in prison, uh, maybe the, the time that God transformed his life when he saw the bright light and he lost his sight. Paul talked about what he had a thorn in the flesh. Many people think that was blindness, partial blindness, okay? His handwriting may not have been good. So whenever they read that letter and they got to the last part and went, huh, the large letters, he may not be able to see well. So they would have instantly put two and two together. Oh, wow, this is from the dude. Okay, this is not from his scribe. This is from him. So he says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Paul's finishing his letter to the church. Okay, he's finishing, he's finishing up. This is, we're going to finish the book of Galatians this morning. Um, do you think he's trying to get his point across? Large letters. The original caps lock key on his keyboard. Click, caps lock, everything capital. If I send an email to Mike or I send an email to one of you or some of the band and I want something to get across, like a practice time, you, people are smiling, they get these emails. It is capital, sometimes it's colored, sometimes it's bigger, bold, bold italics, there we go. Hmm. My parents used to talk to me in capital letters. Uh-huh. Some of you are laughing because you can relate. If I heard this, and I wrote it, I wrote it in, my, in my notes, if I heard the words, Stephen, Matthew, Griswold. First of all, if my mom said that in town right now, I could hear it here. I promise. That and the sound of my dad's belt. My dad did not punish me, but I got spanked, and I heard a... His belt... They live over in Crossville now. If my dad, like, you know, he takes his belt off after a day, I'm like, "Mm, whoa, what was that sound? I'm still scared. If your parents spoke to you in capital letters, you understood that they wanted to get a point across. They wanted to get a point across. Paul's acting like a mom or a dad here. He's saying, listen, the other scribe has written this. I want you to get what I'm saying right now. In in verse 12, he goes on. It says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want you to look like others, but they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Okay, it's going to go into a lot of things. Uh, the Jews would, would teach certain things that traditionally had to be done to be a person of God, but here's the deal. These people are known as what I like to call legalizers. They're very legalistic. The Greek translation to these people, straight out of the Greek, is this, to make a good impression. Sometimes in life we go through, and the only thing that we want to do is make a good impression. Oh, we're going to be meeting with these people today, or the pastor's coming over, better clean the house. 
Mike came over to my house last night to deliver me something. And Mary's here. She'll attest to this. Well, we should, we should straighten up. I go, Mike lives in his house just like we do. Okay? And it was, it was this thing that she's like, oh, no, we better, we, you know, it was, and I said, no. No. He's not a legalistic person. Okay? Now, we go on. Other areas, we make a good impression. Other areas may say like this. If it's a guy, he'll talk, he'll talk negative about his wife in front of his friends to make himself look better. He's the high school guy in the locker room that brags about having sex with all these people to make himself look better. He's the guy or girl away from a conversation of people that really know the truth that will exaggerate the truth to make themselves look better. It's all about the show for this person. It's all about the show for these people. They want to avoid, watch this, by not being followers of Christ, they want to avoid the consequences for their actions. Hey, around a certain group of people, I don't have to do this. Verse 13, he goes on. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. This is the scary part. The people that are the legalizers, the people that are the the people that want to look good in front of everyone, they say this. They say, well, you need to do exactly what we do to be one of us because this makes you look better. This would be the people that I have to have a big house. It has to be on this lane. It has to be on this side of the street. It has to be way, way beyond our means. It has to be the biggest that we can get because our neighbor just built a, a $250,000 house. Well, we have to build one that's $350,000 be, to be better than to, look, to put on a good face, to put on a good show. It was all about their pride. These people, it's all about their pride. They wanted to brag and boast about how many Galatians they had won over to their side. Now, I want to go and explain this. Paul started a church much like this one in Galatia. It was people that were putting their trust into Jesus Christ, having a relationship with God. They were not following the customs of the Jews. These are the people that are talking right now. This is, the, this is the Jewish customs coming out. They thought it was a prideful thing and an arrogant thing to see how many of these Galatians who had been taught that Jesus was Lord, how many they could convert, convert back over to their side. We don't see that today, do we? Yes, we do. Okay? They were trophy hunters. And not in the sense of us going out seeking wild animals. They were trophy hunters. It would be much like today if a church is based solely, and I use this term very, very closely, if a church is solely based on how many converts to Christ we get and how many baptisms we get. Some churches are ran on absolutely nothing except numbers. That is trophy hunting. At Connection, we do not exist for that. We exist to minister to people. To people. Are we going to have stuff that comes up? Yeah. That's where Jesus comes in. You see, we're all broken. When Adam and Eve took a bite of that apple, the, the, human, the human machine was broke. No, we don't always do the right thing. No, we don't always say the right thing. No, we don't always act the right way. But that's where Jesus comes in. And that's the, that's the same Jesus that Paul was talking to these people about. 
He said, you don't have to follow the customs of this world. He's talking about the Jewish customs. He said, you need to relate to people like you watch Jesus do. And that's tough for some of us. Some of us have an ex-mate. They say, I hate you. I'm never going to give in to you. I'm, you want so much stuff, and I'm not going to talk to you. You know what Jesus says? Jesus said, pray for them. That's what's known as one of the tough teachings of Jesus. It's things that go against our machine. The world says, seek revenge. Jesus says, love. The world says, keep all of your money to yourself and blow it on things you want. God says, buy gasoline and give it away. That was absolutely so much fun yesterday. We had people come up to the gas pumps. And they're like, what's this? And I'm like, we're giving away uh, $20 in gas today. No, you're not. Yeah, we really are. Okay, we're, we're giving gas away. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And I'm like, we are. Isn't that sad? Backing up. Isn't that sad? Nobody does that. What kind, of, what kind of town would Mount Vernon be if more people did that? We have physically had people move in and, and come into the gas station yesterday. We pumped their gas and they would look at us, tears in their eyes and say, I cannot even believe this happened. I am so blessed today. One lady goes, I'm going to call my kids and have them come up. I said, okay, but you better hurry. We were done in 38 minutes. People hear about free gas. It's like free chocolate. It's gone. <laughs> you, if, you, if you don't think that's true, why don't you set up right now, since it's bow season, you set up a, a whole thing, a whole tote, full of free broadheads right now outside of Dunham's, and you tell me how fast they're, they're there. You tell me how fast it takes them to leave. Okay? Jesus sought to relate to people in things and areas that mattered. Yesterday, we related to people as a church, as a group, and we did it around a thing that matters. 99% of us have a vehicle. The vehicle requires gas or diesel. It requires fuel. So yesterday, we gave it away. We sought to relate to people in something that's very vital to our existence here. These churches, these people, these people back then, the Jewish people, it was all about numbers. It was all about this. It was all about that. How we look. Some of these people and some of the people that we saw yesterday had never had anything like that ever happen to them. One of the ladies that we pumped their guests, she goes, I never win anything. This has never happened for me, and I was only going to come and get 10 bucks, but if you're giving, I want 20. <laughs> okay. The people, and you know what? The people drove away with $20 of gas, but I stood there. This makes me wonder about, about this, the, the scripture when it talks about in Luke chapter 2, when we, we study the Christmas story, two months, 19 days of Christmas, and... Um, it is, I count. I'm a teacher. I know when Christmas break is. I'm just kidding. Um, so these people would drive away with $20 free gas. I would look at the people at my pump that, that I was working with, and all three of us would just be smiling. And that verse that goes back where, where Mary and Jesus is laying there, and Mary, it says, but Mary pondered all these things 
in her heart. And we just got there and we soaked it in. And when we give away turkeys or we give away hams, it's the same thing. Listen, my dad was in the meat business for 35 years. Meat's expensive. You walk to somebody and say, here's a turkey. Really? A turkey? And it's not the cheap ones. It's the great big fat ones. It's the good ones. It goes on in verse 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me also died. Paul reiterates almost exact words from Jesus. Before Jesus left this earth, he talked to his disciples and he said, hey, there's going to be some people that are going to come up to you when you're trying to do what I, I told you to do. There's going to be people come up to you and say, I hate you. But I want you to remember one thing. They don't hate you. They hate what you have inside you. They don't like the love. They don't like the sharing because they've not experienced it. Some people in our church had never experienced that love until they came here. And in two years, three years of soaking this atmosphere in, I can give you their name and their phone number and you can ask them how their life has changed. Because they're not the same person as they used to be. At all. But Paul says this, May I never boast about anything. We're going to reverse that. We're going to talk about always boasting. I don't know the spiritual relationship with God that this person has, but stereotypically, it's one of that I would probably say negative. And I'm not judging a person. Please don't say, oh, am I saying people aren't Christians? I'm not doing that. I'm saying that the way that he comes off is not scriptural, the way that we should act. But in the world of Twitter, Facebook, FaceTime, email, text messaging, Vines. How many people know what Vines are? Funny. Very funny. Very, very funny. All of this stuff, uh, Snapchat, instant everything. Everything. Yesterday I was hunting. I'll show you how instant this is. Yesterday I was hunting. At like 641, I got a text message from my buddy that said, hey, there's a deer in the field. At 641, still, I got a picture of that deer in the field. We're talking instant. He was not beside me. He was in Missouri. Instant, okay? So he had time to send a text message. He took a Snapchat, sent it to me. Instant. Instant. Now, these sports legend icon people, what they do is they use this as their base. If anything's instant, okay? If I post a status on Facebook, if I type in, man, I'm feeling good, and I click that, instantly, every single one of my 1,400 friends knows. Instantly. Instantly. You tell me another, another way besides the internet that you can talk to that many people that fast. Unless they're all in one spot. So these athletes, these, these big time athletes, like to get on these social media sites and they like to boast about themselves. Before the NBA Finals, LeBron James used Facebook, YouTube, everything, and he just, what, they, what the teens call it, they would, he would blow it up. Everywhere. I'm going to win my second title. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because our team is absolutely loaded. Yeah, they're loaded. They got three of the best players of 
probably in the top 50 of all time on one team. And after they won the NBA Finals, he just stopped using social media. Uh, no, he posted a YouTube video saying, look at me. I told you I would do it. He's sitting on a couch. He said, I told you I would do it. I told you I would do it. I told you I would do it. I, 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 I told you I would do it. Six foot seven, 260 pounds. He can do a lot of things. Hey, but he can't win a championship by himself. I don't know what the, the video was called, but it should, na- it should be named, in my, in my humble opinion. Here's a video about all the great things that I've done because I'm some kind of superhuman and I'm the greatest ever. Michael Jordan, a couple days ago, comes out with his little version of that. In my prime, I could beat LeBron James one-on-one. We're not going to get into that because it could, and that's it. <laughs> I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. I, want, I taught In my last school that I taught at, there was a fourth-grade student. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Okay, I'm not that old. Fourth grade. He had a LeBron James jersey walking down the hallway. I said, man, he's pretty good, but he's no Michael Jordan. He turns around to me and goes, who's Michael Jordan? (sighs) So very politely, I asked the teacher. I said, can he come to my office real fast? We need to look at some YouTube videos. She let him. He comes out of my office. He goes, that guy's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, the whole reverse. Two weeks ago, I talked about a guy named named Matt Holliday. And he had a great big, uh, uh, just given all thanks to, to God in, in his atmosphere. But how many people, how many people have ever heard the term or know who this is? Rich Froning Jr. I love it. No one. Rich Froning Jr. I got to share this with the FCA at my high school this past Wednesday. I said, who knows who Rich Froning Jr. is? Like one person. Rich Froning Jr., is and has been for the last three years the world champion at the CrossFit Games. He has three-peated. If you win that, it's called the fittest on earth. Okay, The kids that I teach, we do CrossFit. They know how hard the movements are. And this guy is not just good at one. He's the best in the world at all of them. That doesn't make sense. Talk about superhuman. Okay, If if I ask you if you wanted to do a handstand push-up, your, your most intelligent answer would be no, because they're not fun. But this guy does them because, watch this. In my humble opinion, Rich Froning Jr. holds the most coveted prize besides a gold medal in physical sports in the world. It's individual, and you're competing against the world. And he three-peated. If there would be a guy that could boast about his physical appearance because he's ripped out of his mind, it would be him. If there was a person that deserved to have a video to say, look how good I am, it's Rich Froning Jr. If there was a guy on earth that had the ability to physically say, I am the fittest and strongest person on this earth doing CrossFit, it's Rich Froning Jr. But Rich Froning Jr. is not a worldly person. I think it's awesome how God uses these people. Because Rich Froning Jr. is an absolute, complete, sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. And you do a lot of movements in CrossFit where you raise your arms, and a lot of the guys, now, ladies, next time CrossFit Games, don't, oh, i got to watch CrossFit Games with guys without shirts on. Okay? They sweat a lot. Yeah, yucky. So, so that's why they don't have shirts on. Now, 
while he has, it doesn't have a shirt on, he's doing a kettlebell, he, a kettlebell, baby bell with a handle, and you do a lot of these. Okay, he lifts it up, and down his rib cage, he has a tattoo. And it's probably one of the coolest tattoos I've ever seen. But in, in literally letters like this big, it says Galatians 6.14. It's unreal. The guy is the epitome of what a man would want to look like. He has like a 17 or 18 pack. Not a 6, not 4, not 1. I have an ab 1. Okay, this guy, this guy has like 32 individual little cells popping out of his stomach. He's just so strong. From girls in my school, after we've, we Googled him, well, he's very good looking. Well, evidently he has that going for him too. But on YouTube, you can YouTube, Rich Froning talks about his faith, and it comes up, and his quotations are something like this. I have no idea, but God just made me pretty good at CrossFit. Okay, first of all, pretty good would be complete understatement. But God made me pretty good at something, and it's my ability to use that stage to promote Him, God. Every time He does a movement like this, every time He does a handstand push-up, Galatians 6.14, Galatians 6.14, Galatians 6.14, may I never boast. He doesn't do it. It's not there. He said, he said you won the CrossFit Games. Thank you. I'd like to give credit to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He states in his video, God has given me the ability to be really good at CrossFit. And as a competitor, I use that stage to give credit back to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a guy that died to himself. This is very similar to the guy that we're reading and wrote these letters. Paul just says that he... He, the very last part of that, and the world's interest in me has died also right before that. My interest in this world has been crucified. Okay, Paul went from a guy who physically put Christians to death to a guy that was willing to put his life on the line to share the gospel with one more person. This is a rich froning. Paul said, I, I, I don't want any of my accomplishments. No. Well, he didn't accomplish much. Yeah, he, only, he was like the second leading writer in the entire New Testament. He's the best and greatest missionary we will probably ever see on planet Earth. He, physically, he had more impact than Billy Graham, okay? This, this guy is out there, okay? He got beaten. He got put in jail. He got out. He went and did it again. He got beaten. He got put in jail. He, got, he went out and did it again. He never quit until finally they killed him this reminded me of a story first of all if you want to hear a comical conversation come talk to my wife about the first time that we met when the time that we met i was 18 years old i was playing varsity baseball at the college that i was going to i was dressed as a freshman and i thought i was an 18 year old that had completely whipped the world i was just waiting on my check to sign and play major league baseball that was it and everybody else wasted my time the first time that my, my wife talked to me, she talked to her friend who introduced us, and she said, I don't care if I ever talk to that guy again. He's so cocky, I don't have time for him. When we succeed at something in the world, the world says, own it, live it, be it. Do whatever you want to. 
This attitude of mine began in high school when I didn't get accepted anywhere else except on the baseball field. And I'm not trying to make any th- all these sports analogies. This is just how my brain works, and I know there's a lot of sports people in here. We were down 6-4 to four in a high school baseball game, bottom of the sixth inning. We play seven. We were, we were down 6-4. to four. Runner on first and second base. I hit left-handed. The guy came in. He was throwing very, very hard. Okay? High school, I'm talking 85, 86. He was throwing hard. And I get in there, and I had, I had, I had what we called timed him. Okay? Guy in front of me was batting. They struck him out, but I was sitting there just doing this. And I knew he was going to challenge me with a fastball, the first pitch. I knew it. And I got in there, and I'm like, he throws me a first pitch. I'm going to hit this about eight miles. Okay? Like this. Fastball right here. If you're ever playing against a left-handed hitter, do not throw it inside on their hips. Okay? Ben Staley can tell you that that pitch gets hammered. Okay? He threw the pitch right here. I swung like this, hit it way over the fence, and I did this. And I walked about halfway to first base like I was some kind of baseball god. I did. I'm not proud of this, this story. But I, I'm like this, and I finally touched the coach's hand. I'm like, yep. So that put us up one run. We end up winning the game. I finished the lap around the bases, and I touched home, and the, the team was there, and it was all like, woo, yeah, yeah, nice job. And I'm like, yep, I'm the man. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Walk back to the dugout. At the, end of my, at the end of the dugout, my dad stood right there. My dad does not sit there. My dad talked to zero of my coaches ever. If I was going to make it, it was all on me. My dad would sit over here, okay, behind the plate or over here. He was at the end of the dugout. You remember the capital letters that I talked about? <laughs> In this one statement, my, my dad taught me more than he could possibly know. More than he could possibly know. I hit that home run. I, had, I, I was on a high. I had just put my team up. I hit, a, I hit, I hit what baseball, callers, baseball players call, I hit a bomb. And it was a bomb. And I touched home plate and I walked over. And through all the slapping and high fives, the only thing that I saw or mattered was my dad at the end of the dugout. Not looking happy. And after everybody kind of cleared out and I walked over, I said, I said, hey, that was a pretty good swing, huh? And he didn't raise his hand. And he said, that was a good hit. The next time you do that. <sighs> Taught me so much. He said, the next time you do that, you put your head down and you run. And you don't show that picture up. You run and you act like you did it before. And that hurt. I said, man, my, dad here, my dad's supposed to be here to, to, to cheer me on. And he's just, he's just cutting me. It was after the game, and he sat me down, and he said, he said, God doesn't give us our abilities so that we can say, hey, look how good I am. God gives us our abilities so that other can see us play, and then we can give witness to God of how good he is. See, I, I hit that ball, and it's all about me. You see, if you can, you flip it on Sports Center, you got guys scoring touchdowns, pulling a Sharpie out of their out of their socks signing footballs and tossing them up, get, don't care that they're getting fined $25,000 to do it. It's not all about us. I never forgot that. Paul was like Rich Froning. He says, give God the glory because He's behind your strength. He's behind it. He was behind every swing that I took. 
Galatians 6.15, he goes on. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. All that means, they're talking about the traditional stuff again. He goes on, it says, nothing earthly that you can do, there's nothing earthly that you can do to gain your salvation. Nothing. You physically can't get yourself into a relationship with God. You can't do it. We sing a song called Your Love Never Fails. In there, there's a, there's a line that says, the chasm is far too wide. The bridge and the gap between us and God cannot be overcome with anything you and I can do. I don't care if you sell a million dollars of your product in one day. I don't care if you cure the world of blindness. I don't care, and I'd love for you to do all these things. But you can't get to God without Christ. That's it. The Bible is very plain. Jesus himself says, red letters, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to my dad except through me. That's it. It's all about us and our trust with God. Nothing earthly can gain you salvation. My question to you is this. Is your life different? If you have become a believer, is your life different since you became a believer? Do people know that you are now different than you used to be? I talked to a buddy of mine. His name's BJ. He's been a couple, here a couple times. He's the one that sent me the pictures yesterday from, from bow hunting. He teaches at a town called Stover's by Jeff City in Missouri. And he goes, hey, I ran into somebody that knows us. And I haven't talked to him, told my wife yet, but you know Hannah Watchman. She's a, a friend of ours from college. He goes, Hannah was in our school. She's working for some bank. She's in our school for some reason today. And I had talked to her about Danielle's wedding, a wedding that I'm going to do. One of our friends, one of Mary's best friends growing up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to officiate that wedding. And he goes, I was telling her about that, and she physically stopped in the hallway, recognized that I had just said Matt Griswold, and she turned around, and, she, and her, her words are this. Matt Griswold's a minister? <laughs> and BJ said, I thought she was going to fall over. Has my life changed? Ask Hannah. Ask Hannah. Yeah, it has. It has. I didn't do the things that I wanted to do then that I do now. I didn't go to church like I should. I didn't read my Bible like I should. I did things of this world that I shouldn't do, and now I strive to not do them. And did it make a difference? This is not about me. I want you to see that God is taken something that needed polished and he put it in an environment where people polish it and now where it's going. We say all the time in connection, we do not care where you come from because I and you all have a past. I don't care what you've done. And here's the cool thing. You come in a relationship with God and neither does he. He's excited and we are excited. We sing, come away with you. I love that song. I have a plan for you. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great going to be full of me. It's going to be full of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 does not say, I have plans for you and they're not really good. No, it says, I have plans to prosper you, hope to give you a future. What's your hope? What's your future? How has God changed you? Oh my goodness. I talked to a lady last week. She said, Matt, six months ago, I never thought I would have been right here where I am. Just giant leaps forward in her faith. Just unbelievable. 
Why? It's because of God. He said, what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. It does not matter about the worldly stuff. It does not matter. Yes, we have a job to do, so we should do it. No, you should not goof off while you're working because that's a sin. Work. Okay? But the things of this world, the cars that we drive, they don't really matter. Would I like a new truck? Yes. Does my wife say I can have one? No. I pray for her to say yes, but but her and Dave Ramsey say no. (sighs) But one of these days, I'm going to have a different vehicle. Is it going to be new? No. She's already said that. (laughs) But it's not about the stuff that we drive. It's not about the stuff that we do. It's that we can't get there without help from Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, all those people are wanting to do is to get you to to believe this way, to that way, the only thing they're concerned about is how they look on the outside. If my truck didn't have an engine and we put a brand new paint job and cool chrome rims and jacked it up with a six-inch lift to put 35-inch super swampers on it, yes, I've thought about this, and it didn't have an engine, looking at it, awesome. Starting it, not good. It's what's in us. Are you a new creation? Are you a new person? How has God moved you? How has he changed you? That's what people need to hear. Yesterday, we, are, we heard people drive off and say, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know where this was going to come from this week. And you guys are just giving it away. goes on in verse 16. says, May God's peace and mercy be upon you who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. The people that Paul is referring to are the people that have been transformed. The people that are taking into consideration that Jesus Christ is who he says he was and they have relationship with him. There's two things here. If you have your message map and you want to jot these down, there's two things here. Number one, this gets me through almost every day. Every day of my life, the world throws something at me that I can use this at. Number one, God gives believers peace. That's it. He gives believers peace. He gives the people that believe in Him peace. And later in the New Testament, it says that it's peace beyond understanding. We we can't comprehend where it comes from. You ever had a day that you're having a good day and you shouldn't be having a good day? Man, I have a good attitude. And, man, I got this going on, this going on, this going on. But right now, man, I feel good. I have stuff going on. I walked in that door a while ago. I'm like, I'm at church. I love being here. I love being with you. God says, I give my people peace. I give them peace. Oh no, God, I have this coming up. God, I have this coming up and I'm going to blow my lid. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll take care of you. Number two, if you are a believer... You should strive to walk like Christ. He says, live by. Live by. Am I asking you to stand at Jumpin' Jimmy's with $100 bills and hand it out to everybody that comes through? No. How about get along with your boss? How about leave a conversation when they're talking about other people? Live by. People that you work with, people that are close to you, people that are by you, people that live by you, should notice that there is something different about 
those people. Yesterday, the people that pulled in Jumping Jimmy said there is something phenomenally different about that church. Normal people don't do that. Guess what? The Bible doesn't call you to be normal. It calls you to be peculiar. What happens when something's peculiar? I don't know. Let's do this math. Area 51 is peculiar. Everybody and their brother wants to get in there. They want to know what's behind the scenes. They want to know that about you. Why are you so happy? Your life looks like it's going on the drain and you have hope. How do you have that hope? God's peace and mercy. He goes on in verse 17 and 18. It says, From now on, don't let any trouble, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Physical. The odds of you and I having physical scars because we belong to Jesus are not good. Not here. Not right now. We're talking about physical pain and cuts and bruises. Okay, these people were not nice. Same group of people that soaked believers in oil and burned them as lamps in their garden. Okay, this is not a fun joyride to Six Flags. Paul had pain and scars up and down his body, and he says this, Don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I'm far too familiar. And I have chosen to wear these scars in my body. 18. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He just he longs to be there with him. Throughout the New Testament, when he writes these letters to these churches, more times than not, he says, I wish I was there with you. I wish I was there with you. If Mary and I miss a Sunday, the first thing that we talk about when we wake up on Sunday morning is, I miss church. I really miss church. I wish I could be there. I'm not saying rest and relaxation is not a good thing and everybody shouldn't take that. But when we're not here, when we're not with our people, we miss it. Paul's telling the people, live for God. Boast and brag about what God has done in your life, not about what you think you have done in yours. Tomorrow at work, I talked to my parents the other day, yesterday. And my dad just sat in the kitchen while we ate lunch and he just washed his four, I'm sorry, two, there were two there. And he washed his two granddaughters out of the four, run around the kitchen and they were eating and he was just smiling. And when the other two are there, he does that with them. And very few times have I ever heard my dad not say this. He says this, oh, somebody comes to him, man, your, your family is so cool and you have four granddaughters, aren't they precious? He goes, listen, God has really blessed me. God has really blessed me. The world says, yeah, look what my kids did. They're awesome. It's God has truly blessed my family. We may not have the physical scars, but some of us wear deep emotional ones. And the cool thing about this passage is the stuff that's inside us God can change and he mends and he heals so that one day down the road we may meet somebody that has the same stuff or same issues and help them. Because God doesn't want us to waste it. 
So the next time that we want to say, hey, look at me. Let's say, hey, look at him. I love the, I love the saying. The guy looks in the mirror and he says, he said, God, I just feel so bad for what I've done. I've let you down. And God's voice returns to him and says, no, you didn't let me down. You were never holding me up. So whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do this week, do it all for the glory of our God in heaven. Because it's in him who should receive the glory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning at Connection. We thank you for these people. God, we thank you for the music. We thank you for the singing. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the people that give their time to, to teach and, and aid with the kids and the check-in and the, and the nursery. And they play games and they prepare lessons. The people that showed up early for band practice sound check. The people that swept each individual chair. They swept the carpet. They cleaned the windows. They mopped the floor. God, not for them. <laughs> not for them, but to bring glory and a clean environment so that we could lift your name up. God, we thank you so much for the hope that we have in you and your son. Help us have a great afternoon, God, whenever we can. Give the glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.